up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce, episode 108, Neuromarketing and Behavior Economics. What are we talking about? Well, we're going to get our thinking caps on today, and we're going to dive right into the behavior of the subliminal and below conscious cues on purchase decisions for online buyers. What does that mean, you might ask? Well, that's why I brought on my guest today. We're going to get a little nerdy today on a Friday, a little little low-key, but we're going to get to the bottom of why people buy things the way they do, what are those triggers, and why does that impact Amazon brands? Of course, we can always get into the debate as well. You should build a brand on Amazon versus you should not worry about branding debate that's typically going on right now amongst the Amazon community, so we'll dive in a little bit of both. But as always, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong transfers more than $150 million a day to e-commerce sellers just like you. Helping over 1 million customers now, we have processed over $90 billion, that's billion with a B, in cross-border payments. And to start saving money today, no one likes giving away more money. You, just like anything else, you want to keep more of that money to apply it to your inventory, spend it on some advertising, or just pay yourself out a nice little extra money. Go ahead and sign up for Ping Pong Cow today. That link is going to be right there below in the show notes. Check it out a little bit later. Of course, after the show, you want to stay tuned here. Um, But of course, a big welcome to our audience for watching us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Or if you're listening to us later on uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you might consume a podcast, that's where we're going to be. Just go ahead and search for Crossover Commerce and subscribe on your favorite channel today. Um, Make sure that everyone is following both myself and our guests on social media so you can stay up to date on the latest content both sides of us are producing because this guy is a thought leader. I'm super excited. We just got off a quick chat talking about the industry, what's going on in the space, our backgrounds. We're going to talk a little bit about that today as well, but all that's going to be in the show notes below. Go ahead and check that out and follow myself on social media and our guests as well. But about our guest today, Anthony Lee, he has served on the Amazon community in the Amazon community for over the last six and a half years, a COO of Sixleaf, formerly Zonblast, and the content manager of Helium 10, as well as CEO of Synalytics, a consultant to six, seven, and eight-figure seller brands, as well as a thought leader and teacher in the space. His primary focus has been on Amazon ranking algorithm and buyer psychology, and as such, he has provided the community with a number of references, key insights, experiments, and actionable works that have proven to move the needle in growing Amazon-centric businesses. Anthony actually recently joined Canopy Management and is the leading, which is the leading full-stack A to Z Amazon agency for over 80 Amazon experts dedicated to helping brands scale their businesses gain market share, and become kings and queens of their category. We've had Brian, we had uh, Blake on before, now we have Anthony. He's been amazing to join us today. Um, welcome to Crossover Commerce, Anthony Lee of Canopy Management. Anthony, what is going on, man? Let me bring you in here right now. There you go. What's hey, up? I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. And we were just chatting a lot today. You're you're pumping out so much content What on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all, all the kind of content. I, it's funny because I noticed your background. It, it's always the cool, 
quick, actionable insight. But for people who might not be following you, which they should be, of course, we put that social handle below. Um, we got a new setup here. Uh, my graphics department's coming up with all sorts of cool stuff for me. So I'm, I'm a kid in the candy store. But uh, for people who may not be following you or, or know your background more in depth, I just gave you a, a resume, basically. What, what makes you you, basically? Uh, how do you get into the Amazon space? Let's start with there. Um, okay, so the quick story, um, 2014, as of 2014, I was, I worked two jobs, I was a copywriter at a web design firm uh, during the week, and on Saturdays, I worked at a fish restaurant as a waiter, so, uh, and I had an hour commute to the copywriting job, so that was, that was a tough you know, time period. Um, anyway, and obviously I'm in this place in my head where it's like, I really want to be doing better. Um, I work, my wife works. We have uh, a baby who we have to leave with babysitters every day. And that's just not ideal. Um, so somehow I accidentally stumbled upon a video from Ryan Moran and he was promoting the amazing selling machine course. And sure in this particular video, he was just like, Hey, so, you know, you can sell your own brand of stuff. You get it from Alibaba. And I had heard of Alibaba, but I didn't understand really. And then that clicked and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then you can do it through FBA because they take care of all the customer support and the fulfillment. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. But then he said, and the key to winning and beating out all these brands that sell on Amazon is uh, if you just write it, if you have good copy, if you can write a listing, then uh, you'll beat everybody out. And I was just like, so shortly thereafter, I acquired three credit cards. I maxed them all out for my first <laughs> inventory order. My wife almost killed me. Um, and yeah, and the rest is history from there. The like, rest is history. <laughs> and that's that's how I got in. Would you recommend doing that again ever? <laughs> Not the way I did it because the landscape has changed. But I mean, right. at the same time, you know, it's just like if you have an idea, right? And it's so, it's it's just so, it makes so much sense to you that you lose sleep over it and you're willing to, you know, dig a hole to make it work and just say, hey, if it doesn't work, I'll dig the hole deeper. Like if you're at that level, then I don't know if you can ignore that, right? Like I feel like people who do ignore that lose opportunities. So, well, that and it's entrepreneurship 101 is an idea to make something better in the space. Uh, if they did that by taking out a loan and by opening up a retail store and they lost money that way, people don't blink like they do on Amazon or right. online, right? Because again, we're talking about psychology of why is that different one versus the other? It's the same concept. One's all digital. The other is in retail mom and pop store, you might feel bad if they go out of business or feel really sad, but online you're like, I have a failed product. And everyone's like, eh, okay, sounds good. But uh, so you sold online, currently selling online still? Yeah, I, still? Um, okay. I've been a seller mostly this whole time. There was like a couple of year period where I was between brands. That's how I like to put it. Uh, um, just trying to figure out what direction I was going to go. But yeah, I've been selling. I've also experimented with other marketplaces. I'm fascinated by the concept of e-commerce in general. So, uh, and then other than that, I've also had the great pleasure of consulting um, some amazing, amazing sellers and brands. 
And then kind of in between there, you know, I had my stint with all of these, uh, these, uh, I say all of these, it was primarily Zonblast six leaf for the bulk of my career. And then after that, it was just trying to find a, a place where I really fit. And that's yeah. why that, that was what brings me here to Canopy. Absolutely. That, that's amazing because obviously we had Brian and Blake on and they give us kind of like, Brian might still be on the road for all I know. The last time I checked in with him, he was in an RV in the middle of nowhere driving and maybe I think he was going south at that point. So he might be back by now. Uh, As of this morning, um, he was checking in on a Zoom call with the team from inside of moving vehicles. So I assume oh, that's good. Come on the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I, I actually, uh, speaking of Blake, I saw he uh, commented and if you're watching us live on LinkedIn, uh, YouTube or Facebook, there he is the man himself, Blake Hilton, uh, such a wealth of knowledge. Uh, thanks for watching us on LinkedIn, Blake. And if anyone has questions along the way, we're going to get into the topic here, uh, just shortly. But if you want to say hi, we're always welcome the, the nice hello on a Friday. It's super low key on Friday. I always feel like so, so you, Anthony, you've seen a lot, like we, we actually bonded over this a little bit. Like you and I have, have our hand in a very similar concept of lots of different industries, lots of different services. And our journey has seen so many different things. You said my, I'm kind of like not excited as much with Amazon as much as I am with like these other marketplace opportunities. And what, what, what is exciting you, I guess, right now in that aspect of what marketplaces maybe, or is it more of countries or where's the opportunity right now for you? Do you think? I, I still think that Amazon's one of the easiest places to you kind of break into the space and like, and sell stuff. Um, I, I, I like to tell people that it's important to be marketplace agnostic though. Uh, because a lot of people seem to not realize that Amazon is just another distribution channel. Um, I think that Walmart is probably going to be a pretty serious contender, uh, believe it or not. I know they've they've had they've tried and failed a lot of different things, but ultimately <laughs> spent a lot of money doing it too. <laughs> but, but here's the thing: is they haven't stopped, and you have to right. there's smart guys in there. You have to think like there's probably a reason for it. And if you think about it, they're kind of poised to give Amazon a little bit of a run for their money because there are more Walmarts than there are FBA facilities. And they're in places where the last mile for Amazon is very difficult, right? We're talking about rural areas. This is where Walmart thrives. So they're set up to offer something um, comparable, at least. Anyway, so... Uh, but, but ultimately I think the thing that excites me the most is the fact that we've been having this debate forever, but people are starting to finally realize that when you attach, um, and like associate emotion and story to a brand, mm -hmm. that is what's proving to have longevity. See, like. Back in 2015, everybody was just starting on Amazon. 2016, just really getting like it really blew up and there was no data to back this up. But here we are in 2021 and you can look at some of the biggest players on Amazon who are third party and mm -hmm. they all have pretty strong brands behind them. I mean, not all of them, but most of them do. A lot of the ones that don't are typically wholesalers or just big resellers. But if you look at like private label, the guys that have a solid brand behind them, are typically lead the pack and as far as that's concerned. So now that people are realizing that, I think it's, it's awesome to finally have this conversation. Like tell people, okay, well, 
You know, we've been screaming from the rooftops about branding for years. Now you want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about how you can do that. And, uh, and that aligns really well with like these geeky topics that I love to cover to <laughs> talk about, you know, behavioral stuff. Hey man, I I'm always been about the buyer psychology and, as people know on this show, my background has always been in, in performance marketing. What that means is having a third party send traffic to your website. And what's going to be that thing that drives a conversion? Is it price? Is it going to be a coupon? Is it going to be a quote unquote sale? Is it going to be marketing? Is it going to be a, a thing such as Prime Day that is so hyped up that people feel like they miss out. They're losing money by not spending money, right? Like the whole adage, you're losing money by not spending money. And we as both sellers and buyers have to put on different caps all the time of how can I get people to say yes to me? And as buyers of, do I really need this right now? But sometimes it's always subconscious. Like I want it instead of I need it. And that trumps those kinds of conversations. So when you say behavioral marketing and, and you're talking about, talking about neuroeconomics what it what, what's the definition to you about what people need to know about why that applies to online sellers okay so i would i'll answer that first by by not necessarily uh countering what you just said but uh clarifying sure i i don't think that it sometimes it's a subconscious decision it's 80 to 90 percent of the time a subconscious decision like we do things consciously yes but what causes us to click the buy button or what causes us to walk away from the cart or what causes us to you know swipe or do whatever action we do 80 to 90 percent of it is below consciousness and it's just the way human brains work and so first off understanding that um, I know it's a kind of, a, it, it almost feels like kind of a woo topic. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like neuro, whatever, that's a buzzword and it doesn't really apply, but almost all of the focus and everything that we do when we train on this topic, when we teach people, when we, you know, the coursework, it's all on the conscious level and that scratches the surface only. We're talking about numbers. You're getting lost in mathematics. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now called Alchemy, and uh, it's all about the ma the magic, and that's what the the author refers to, uh, like this subconscious stuff. He calls it the magic, and one of the points that he makes is that in physics and things subjects like that, math is math, right? One times ten and ten times one are the same thing. Right. That's the case in psychology, and that's where we get it wrong. So to kind of illustrate my example, let's say you have a con artist. He's really good and he can fool 10 people one time each in a row. That's pretty impressive. Right. Will he be able to do one person 10 times fooled? No. So 10 times, that's just an example. You can, we can come up with a million. One times right. 10 and 10 times one are not the same in psychology. Context matters. And all of our focus in this industry is always about the math. It's always about, uh, but none of it touches the psychology, the math, the psychological mathematics, which have different answers. Um, so I think it's really important for people to A, understand that most decisions are made under the conscious level, and B, understand that it's important to know that and to be purposeful. 
when you're creating your marketing materials and when you're creating your brand. Because um, if you ignore it, the people who don't ignore it, are, I mean, they're going to win. Right. It, so when I hear that, you're saying if I can not fool somebody, but if I can get someone to purchase one time, that's a win for an Amazon seller. But if I can get a repeat buyer to, you know, one person to buy back 10 times in that, in that context, which one's more valuable to you, do you think? Um, I think, okay, so that's a really interesting way to, to, to kind of spin uh, uh, what I just said into a different topic. Thank you very much for that. Well, First off, host uh, of a podcast show, you gotta you gotta keep it keep it rolling, man. <laughs> First off, I do want to point out that what's important to realize here is that there's a different strategy for both, right? Mm -hmm. What you do for one is not gonna be the same as the other. How you get repeat customers is not by continuing to hit them with the brand new launch marketing that you're doing with, to get the first customer in the first place, right? Which one is more valuable? Both of them play an important role. That's the other thing too, is a lot of what we talk about in this space is always divided in such a dichotomy, so black and white. It's all integrated. Every business needs repeat customers. Every business needs new customers. It's, it's all integrated. In order for you to have a successful business, you really need to be able to tackle both. When I, when I think about that as a seller, these are the things I instantly think about how to how to make something as enticing as first time buyers and first time or in repeat buyers. And this is something that I maybe have heard recently in either Clubhouse or along the space. I have to I always had to use loyalty. When people say loyalty, I'm brand loyal. But there's ways to actually physically show brand loyalty and it feels like that you're getting something in return from a buyer. So from a buyer's perspective, you know, there's different ways. Like I will only wear Patagonia gear. I like how they feel. I like what they stand for. They give back so on and so forth. I'm a Patagonia person or I shop at REI or a retail store. And the more I spend with them, even though I don't have to just buy that brand of product, I can get rewarded still by shopping at a retail store. It can be in terms of cash back, it can be discounts on products, it can be all sorts of things. When when we're talking about on Amazon and people are finding ways to like, how can I continue to get more people back and continue to repurchase with me? Do you think that people don't take it that step further and saying like there's a loyalty program or some sort of like physical nature of rewarding loyalty instead of like, hey, my product's good and you know that, but it may not be, be necessary for repeat purchases all the time. Is there, there a di that disconnect for a lot of people or that well, for a lot of brands? I think just as consumers, we can see that that disconnect does exist. But in all fairness, the reason why is because Amazon is not a platform that's conducive for one person, uh, you know, to come back and show brand loyalty. Like they, they, it's almost... I feel like it's intentional the way they set it up, but they're very, very good about, you know, setting it up so where a thousand people can come and get one thing, but they're not very good about making it seamless for one person to come back and get a thousand things, at least from the same vendor. Um, that's just mm -hmm. such the way the platform is. So it's understandable why a lot of people don't focus on that in our space uh, because it's, it's difficult, right? The easiest and the best way 
would be to get that person into your own ecosystem. But we all know how hard Amazon makes that. Getting their contact details is impossible. So you either have to bring them from a separate, uh, from a different platform in the first place, like bring your own customer to Amazon, or you have to, you know, play um, kind of skirt some of the lines that Amazon puts out there and do things with inserts and just be super creative about it and hope that it all works out. Um, with that said, though, I think that it's probably very important for people to, for that disconnect to um, be eliminated. I think that Amazon is a great platform for creating cash flow, but that process can, it's like this. If you go on Amazon and you're just selling stuff, right? There's a number of different things that can stand in your way of that continuing to be successful. Uh, listing suppression, outright suspension out of nowhere, like um, price to the bottom because competitors jump on it. There's so many things that go in there and then make that a difficult process. And right now we're in the age of aggregators. Everybody's talking about wanting to flip their business. And it's like how you do that is by not just growing your business to like a million plus EBITDA and all that stuff that they care about, but um, building something that's sustainable so that by the time the signature is inked on the contract, everything still looks good. They haven't had a reason to turn around and decide that this was a bad idea. And uh, I think it's important for that to happen successfully to do these branding actions and one of them is definitely cultivating an environment where people want to come back to you uh, you explained your process as a consumer and i just want to kind of lay out what that looks like from a psychological perspective so when you first needed that all-weather jacket or whatever likely you went into it in a very conscious place where you're like well i need this this is something i need um, and that's a lot of people start their shopping that way. Not everybody. Uh, and there's plenty of items that get added to the cart. That's, that's not the motivation, but we'll start with, you know, one of the easier ones to map out. You need it. You're looking and comparing features and Patagonia has a wonderful one. And once you're in their ecosystem, they've explained to you the brand story, how mm -hmm. um, they have a mission. And at that point now, maybe, uh, the needing of the jacket was what got you in the door. But now, anytime you need anything that Patagonia sells, you'll do your best to make sure that it's a Patagonia product because, and that's what gets you coming back, is now there's that emotional connection. There's that reason um, for you to do it. So hard, a little bit harder to do on Amazon, still prime example of something that you should aspire to. Um, because ultimately that keeps you growing and the more you grow, like who knows how long it would take you to flip your uh, business if that's what you're trying to go for, right? A lot of people are talking about that right now. So I assume that's what a lot of people are trying to go for. Uh, if you're growing the whole time though, then all that means is when you finally sign that contract, you get more money as opposed to what it looks like when all of a sudden the bottom drops out of it because of some dumb stuff. And what do you have to recover on that, right? You haven't built anything. We're right. That's the whole, that's the whole debate going on right now. I know we're both in the same clubhouse have had multiple conversations on this. And I think there's even another one today at the top of the hour. With that being said, people are saying, do I invest my time and effort into building something as important as a brand where I maybe tie myself or a feeling or a thought behind it? 
at the end of the day, does that is that important when I exit an Amazon business? I've heard from various different aggregators. Again, I can't can't tell you which ones they are, but all they're interested in is the acquisition of the brand, not just the brand name or the feeling. They're interested in what customer retention looks like. So if I know brand XYZ has an email list of 10,000 people, that instantly is 10,000 people that can potentially tap into to get repeat customers. So we're going back to the whole adage of repeat customers is a very important thing for your brand. But that's not the definition of a brand. It's not repeat customers. It's a thought, a feeling of what stands for. It's the marketing. It's all this stuff. So that being said, when we're getting all these points coming across as what is going to be building a brand on Amazon, what are the core functionalities that are the safest functionalities that we should start thinking about from here on out implementing, do you think? See, here's the thing is there's not a one size fits all answer to that. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to dispel though, is so many people look at brand actions and they think this is a separate thing I have to put extra time and money into. Do I want to do that? Um, Emma Shermer said it best and uh, definitely want to shout her out for this because she said, look, branding, that brand association is happening whether you participated in it or not. I remember her saying that. That was an excellent point. That's so great because she's 100% correct in that. Like it's happening regardless of whether or not you are purposefully putting any you know, time and effort into it. Uh, so with that said, you know, every business that has to spend money somewhere makes the decision. You just be purposeful on what brand actions you're you know, putting effort into or money into and just include it in the overall, like integrate it. It's all, it's all business decisions, right? So as far as what the core stuff is, it's, it, it, you know, a lot of people say it's imagery. Maybe that is the most important thing. Maybe the packaging is the most important thing. Maybe not, but as long as you're purposeful in thinking about the associations that people will connect with your listing, and then ideally with the product itself, and then ideally with your brand itself, um, you can make more intelligent, better decisions. And it doesn't all have to be like money and graphic designers. Like, just think about where it makes sense to put your logo on your imagery, for example. What associations do you want people to have? Think about the color scheme, right? And you don't have to like hire a designer for that. Just look at it from the perspective of a consumer if you can and if you can't um employ the people around you to help you with that decision uh you know it just be thoughtful where you can't spend money and pay an expert be thoughtful that's what i think i think the core is you just have to put the extra effort into thinking about what everything represents and everything meaning the store name that you choose the product listing, the brand ultimately, like everything. Just what does it represent? If if you just throw a listing up there and you put the product in a poly bag and you don't put thought into that stuff, then you can't be surprised when you, you perform at a level that's below what you had hoped. Because you got to look at your competitors that are crushing it a lot of times. It's because they put thought into those things, those little things. Even where money wasn't spent, effort and thought were. And I think, I think that's ultimately the core. Just, just think about the, the actions. Well, that's the thing is marketing doesn't always translate to dollars and cents, right? It's a, it's a feeling, it's a, it's a 
it's an actionable thing of something that you can't quantify, but you know it's valuable because it can be the decision from somebody going back to that same product or moving on saying like, well, this felt like this, this feels like this packaging, the material, this doesn't feel like a quality product. I might try something different this next time. So like Emma said, whether you make that decision subconsciously or not, it's all going into what you as a brand, as that listing product, it's all going to tie together. Mm-hmm. One of the favorite conversations I've had, Anthony, is it was with a professor at St. Louis University. He um, talks about localization. When I asked him the question, localization is talking to a subset of uh, either customer or a religion or a you know culture on a very local level in terms of what how my brand can associate with them. So I said, okay, what what's a pro, or what's a company or product that does really good at that? And he said IKEA. And I, I kind of laughed to myself. I got well, IKEA, the Swedish, you know, everyone knows initially thinks like, oh, maybe it's like cheap furniture, things like that. And we actually did a real live screen share of that. And he said IKEA localizes on the aspect of culture as well as language. And every person who speaks a different language, just like Yana from YLT translation says, each thing means, each word means something different in each language. It can translate completely, make you feel completely different if you read that in one culture or another. Uh, For your thought, subconsciously is word or written language just as important as visual cues? Or, um, you know, maybe like, when you're reading something, is that just as important as an image on a listing? I believe that um, context matters. So in general, yes. And then okay. anybody that's run advertising will also agree. The text in the in the in the media are probably equally important. However, on an Amazon listing, the context is that the attention is different. Um, the because it's a structured format. Hmm. So as much as I do believe the, the wording is important, I think on Amazon, there's a significant skew towards the imagery being more important because of that structure and the way it's set up to put so much emphasis on the visual media. Um, Hmm. That doesn't mean that you should skirt the responsibility of, you know, putting, some effort and thought into the wording. It's just because of the structure of Amazon, the the imagery is going to be probably 10 times more important. And, and so if that impacts your decisions on like where to put your dollars with regard to how to get your listing optimized, just remember I said that <laughs> because that is important. Right. I mean, I mean, we're all visual creatures, right? That's why we're, we like short, consumable content. We like looking at things and we like being able to see how it can maybe fit into our life. Right. I love it. Lifestyle imagery is super important. Um, in that case, you can also switch it out depending on seasonality time of year and, and make it feel like it, it applies to that, that nature. What are some of the hidden ways do you think that sellers just take, don't take advantage of enough um, when it talks about like the underlying aspects of neuromarketing? Is it, is it imagery or is it, is it something else that they might be taking, uh, not be taking advantage of? Uh, well, it's definitely imagery, but there's, there are ways to 
tackle imagery that's not that I think a lot of people don't realize that they have the ability to impact things. Um, so first off, I think it's important to to help everybody understand the reason why imagery is so powerful, and the reason is because um, it requires less cognitive effort. This is also the reason why simple language is more powerful than using complex language in your text. The more cognitive effort that is required, the more the attention is on the wording or the thing and less on the message it's translating to you. So basically, it's not that people are stupid, it's that our brains are wired in almost like a lazy way where they've hardwired all these understandings. Uh, most of the time we call those biases, but either way, biases can be used for good or bad. Um, those biases exist and anything that, that there's not a hardwired understanding for already, it has to pull in the system too, which is the logical rational thinking and it's sitting there decoding. And while it's decoding, you know, it's gonna come up with a translation, but then the message isn't, doesn't sync it. Right? Then you're like, yeah, I understand the words now. Okay, moving on. You don't want that to happen as a marketer. So imagery is important because it's so much less cognitive ease. If, if there's so much more cognitive ease, if you, if you try to explain with words the difference between product A and product B, you will be wildly less successful than if you just demonstrate. If you show a picture of the spun, you know, the, the, the bounty, uh, paper towel soaking up everything versus the competitor where, you know, falls all off the counter. One of the most effective marketing pieces that has ever existed. And that's why they've rolled with it for so long uh, because it works um, talking about bounty specifically. Great. So in your imagery, things that you should be thoughtful of, uh, if you can show a demonstration, awesome. If you can avoid, I love this about, so the guy, uh, uh, Steve Pattison, runs um the amazon creative services at canopy and he understands all these and that's why we we get along so well but we also have to avoid getting on zoom calls because we will nerd out about this for way too long than our, our schedule can uh can allow but he he you know there are high level people in this space that teach about using the right text in your imagery and i'm like ah that makes me cringe a little because when you hear steve talk he's like yeah so the number one goal is let's try to avoid using any text if we can. It reduces the cognitive load if you can convey the message in an image. So I would go with that, right? Try to try to show demonstration of superiority as, as much as you possibly can. Try not to use words. If you have a backpack that has a, uh, you know, that has a, uh, a little pouch on the side, you don't need an infographic that says, look, storage pouch, you can put all this stuff in it. Show a picture of somebody pulling the, the insulated cup out of the daggum pouch. Like that's going to be so much more powerful. And so that's one way. Um, another way that people can, can really utilize, another way that people can really utilize uh, uh, like little imagery tricks, um, strategically place your brand logo where it matters, where it might you know fit naturally in an image and the reason why that's so important is uh association so you want people to constantly associate your brand and your logo your brand imagery with um you know what you have to offer uh 
Think about the color schemes. Think about the other images in your images too. Think about the other items in your image too, right? Like you wanna be really careful about um, what, you know, like, like what kinds of things, prime example, in a grocery store one time, uh, somebody did not think this through and they ended up placing their, their chocolate uh, display right next to um, feminine hygiene products. And then they wondered why the, the, the chocolate display where they had this awesome uh, promotion uh, was not doing as well. And it's because there's a big disconnect in people's brains between feminine hygiene products and, and you know, luxury food items. Mm -hmm. So that's an example that kind of illustrates what I mean when I say think about the objects in your imagery. Um, you want associations to be built with the things that evoke the emotions that you want people to feel, right? You know, uh, another small tip. It's weird. We're like this, though. Um, children and babies' faces are very, very powerful motivator for uh, evoking emotion and building like a connection with brands. Uh, if you if you can work a child's face into your imagery, it will help. Uh, showing happy faces has a, like, a, I mean, this has been tested. Happy faces versus neutral or sad faces uh, lead to conversions. Um, you know, we're talking about like sales pages. So it's these, and a lot of them is common sense. I mean, it really is like show images of things that you, that make your customers um, or your potential customers happy. Uh, try to simulate that, try to show them like the image of what you want them to feel. Um, place your logo where it makes sense so people associate those happy feelings with your brand and those little things, none of that, probably none of that costs like an extra, any, any more money than you were already going to spend when you're putting your listing together. Well, the thing that I heard from you too, and maybe, maybe this is something that we can all talk about is when you write copy in an image, you're instantly pigeonholing yourself into making someone think that that product can only do that one thing. Now I might not, I thought there was super fascinating. I forget where I heard this and I, I can't get credit because I want to give the credit the right way. Maybe this was Stephen Pope. He was talking about a creme brulee torch. And he was like, it didn't sell well with home buyers. It was, it was, it was pretty good seller. But once you instantly showed that same product as a cigar lighter, instantly you had male, um, more, uh, older audience members purchasing this quote unquote, it was only listed as a creme brulee torch, but the imagery itself shows someone using as lighting a cigar didn't say also can do this, but when you start to pigeonhole yourself and you, it can only be used this way, you don't allow that imagination to, like you said, run wild and apply that for whatever you needed to use it for. So that, that's why I think that that resonates with me a lot. When you say less is more, let the customer decide what the product is used for. You're there to fill that need if they have that need. Yeah. That there's actually a lot of, um, there's a lot of, of other psychological psychological triggers that play into that too. People don't like to be condescended uh, too. So um, they don't like it when you explain something that they feel is obvious. 
So actually, when you write on your images sometimes, uh, and you're basically telling people what they're looking at, like subconsciously that creates in them uh, almost a distaste because they're like, why are you telling me this? I know this. So you want to let people draw their own conclusions. And then, yeah, what you just described is actually a conversation that I literally had with Steve like a week ago. Because uh, he was talking about how oftentimes, um, you know, we we get stuck on this whole niche down and people really get stuck on uh, only marketing to who they think their target demographic is. And yeah. you don't realize like this this whole concept of like places in the funnel and niching down, a lot of it is us getting stuck on the math. And you don't realize that there's psychological math that you're not doing. Um, people in the middle of the funnel appreciate top of the funnel information. People that are not in your demographic will appreciate a product that solves a need for them that's outside of the realm of their normal thinking. Like you have to give all of that opportunity to flourish. And you do that, I think, best by um, really in your imagery, but also just understanding that that's what's going on in your potential customers' minds and, and you know, giving as many people as humanly possible, something that they can connect with your brand on. And then also where people try to do that is with keyword stuffing, which is also not an ideal situation to put that in. Like can be a Christmas gift, can be like all these gifts and stuff like that. But we use it in a way of not looking, thinking from a buyer's perspective. Cause I don't think about, Again, these conversations and people say these words are like, we don't shop. I think it was Amy Wishy's like, we don't shop for things like best cookie cutter or something like that in Amazon. We're talking about just cookie cutter. We don't, we don't shop about it in these terms like we would be on Google. Like there's a whole disconnect of whatever people are putting into Amazon. You have to think about it from buyer's perspective of cookie cutter for uh, chocolate chip cookie or something like, I, I don't know, like, or for sugar cookies or something like that. Think about it from what an actual person might be searching for instead of best this, or no one searches like that. Like we, I think that's where the whole disconnect of we're not, we don't always see it. We take the data and it's like, follow the data and to a point you need to, but we don't think about it from what's the experience, like from a customer to eventually get to your product, what's that going to look like? So I don't know if there's anything else in that regards. Like, is there, I know Amazon kind of clamps down on what you can do as a brand. What What are you guys at Canopy? What are you guys doing to help people understand? Like there's more to it than just what Amazon kind of allows you to do. Are we, are you telling people like build outside of Amazon in terms of like your own storefronts, like Shopify stores or marketing? What's that kind of translating to outside of the Amazon world? So for right now, uh, Canopy is still very focused on Amazon. Obviously, there's always going to sure. be uh, stuff in the works for you know seeing how that best translates to outside of Amazon stuff. But for now, there's just still so much more to do in Amazon. That's one of the reasons why um, I really enjoy uh, what Canopy does and what ACS specifically services do for, for people because they're so purposeful in thinking about the the imagery and the associations uh, so for prime example we had a client who was very 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 sure that their product was only marketable to a, a segment and steve came in there and said i think we should broaden that a little bit 
we need to, to give more people than just them the opportunity to connect with this. And it worked like gangbusters. It was incredible. Uh, so it's, it's just very purposeful in thinking about, um, you know, how do we create something that both stands out, but also seems like it, it belongs there. And you found this product on your own and, and, and you're the genius for figuring out that you bought, you know, that you bought the right product. And that's an art to, to conveying that. Um, but that's definitely one, one way to do it. But, you know, regardless of whether or not you have it in your budget to hire somebody else to do this for you, like you can be purposeful in that too. Your ultimate goal is to, through imagery and through wording, through the structure that you're given on Amazon, on Shopify, on any platform that has a, a product detail page. Essentially, your goal is obviously you want to do the math. You want to do the keyword research. You want to see what, you know, the ranking and the spider indexing is for. But then ultimately, the most important thing is how does this translate when a human being finds it? How do you show them not only that your product is the answer, but make them feel like it was they stumbled upon it naturally with no manipulation. And it was their genius that made them come to the conclusion that this is the right product. If you can make the buyer, the hero in this story, and that's how you win. And that's how you ultimately get to a place where you're ready to move off Amazon. I mean, like that's the goal, right? Regardless of who you work with, the goal is I want to get big enough to where I'm like, dang, I should be you know, on other places. Exactly. That's how you get there. <laughs> I, know, I know you guys do PPC. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. We're talking about psychology before the top of the hour and we have to hop off. I'm with Anthony Lee of uh, Canopy Management, everyone. If you have questions about this, what we're talking about, I know there's lots of people watching on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, go ahead and submit your questions if you have them quickly. But I'm curious, Amazon has shifted its uh, focus on product pages from most of it was organic. Now, almost all of it besides one space, and that's frequently bought by section, is all ads. And I love getting to the bottom of are ads now mistrusted or they don't have as much punch now as they used to? I'm curious what your thoughts are. So, I mean, and that's a very good and valid question. I can't speak from an informed place because I don't see where people have collected data on that just yet. Right now, it's a lot of speculation and it'd be really hard to get to the bottom of that with Amazon. Amazon doesn't want to share that kind of uh, data. But if I had to guess, one of the things that has made Amazon's ads so successful to the point where, I mean, the ad platform is growing is growing at a faster rate than new prime members and new sellers. Like it's huge. And one of the reasons uh, isn't just because everybody's jumping on board, but it's because they're so effective. And I think the reason they're so effective is because I'm not convinced that buyers uh, realize that these are sponsored. Right. Like really? I know you, you still don't think that that's uh, that's coming across. It integrates so well with their layout, though. Right. So I really feel like that tiny little word sponsored is probably missed a lot. Uh, I mean, like eventually now, especially that will change. It, it took a while for it to change on Google, too, though. True. There was a while before people started realizing, man, these top results are, are not they're not organic. People paid for that. They're and all I highlighted yellow. <laughs> I don't think we're at a place yet where people are there yet. And that's the reason why ads are working so well, because 
first of all, Amazon makes it less obvious than Google does. And it just integrates so well with their format, with the way they have everything laid out. I would venture to guess that a lot of people might not. Now, for the people that do, yeah, of course, every time there's always skeptics when it comes to, oh, you paid for that spot. Um, I'll scroll past it. But what they don't real, what, like the thing that everybody ignores is, yeah, they might have scrolled past your ad, but they still saw your title and your, uh, and your image. And when they see it again in organic results, they're not even going to remember that they saw it as an ad. This yeah. is the reason why when you turn ads off, you'll notice your, uh, sometimes, I've, I've run this test myself and I know many others who have, turn ads off and then they notice their organic sales drop. Why does that happen? Oh, but I had to turn them off because my ACoS suck. But you're forgetting the fact that when you showed up in your ads in those top spots, people scrolled right past it and then they found you again. There's an association. Did you know repetition in the human brain actually makes people more fond of whatever that rep like if something's repeated people recall it they're fond of it totally subconsciously you won't recognize that and have any idea why that's the case and to be honest i don't know why that that's how it is but that's how it is exactly in, in case in point we had kara sayer of snoo shade on earlier this week and she said believe it or not a lot of her she looks at uh t uh well, tacos is what she calls them. Obviously, you can say tacos uh, or tacos or whatever you want to call it. Uh, up for debate, really. Um, she looks at that, but she says, I like to circle the wagons. Like what she mean by that is be so brand forward for all those keywords to the point where people are like, oh my gosh, they're everywhere. But then they would eventually be funneled down to your organic placement because they're like, well, if it's still the number one thing, I'm going to click on that. Your ads did their job. They basically circled you and your search functionality. And they're like, well, if it's the organic one too, subconsciously are like, I guess it's the best one. They're just everywhere. So it's almost like working in conjunction with each other to push you down that funnel even more. So so that that's fascinating that you said that too. So I think a lot of people are saying, my, I left I left too because my wife is anytime she clicks me, she goes, look at this product. And I jokingly say, Oh, you clicked on a sponsored ad uh, listing. And she goes, dang it, every time. And I swear to God, more often than not, she's always clicking on sponsored ad. So subconsciously, even though I'm looking for it, she's not. So that's a good point by you. Hey, uh, uh, Anthony, before we have to go at the top of the hour, you're a busy guy. Um, where can, like, What are the exciting things for the rest of this year? Prime Day is coming up. There's always logistic nightmares going on. What are you guys working on? And then um, maybe like, what are you looking forward to like the rest of the year? So I know that most people's focus is on like the nuts and bolts of running their e-commerce store and making some money. Uh, what I'm working on though, uh, that kind of helps with that is um, anybody that follows me knows that I put out a lot of content, just, just marketing in general and things that I'm trying to help people understand to elevate them. I'm building out the system where, I'll be lending that to Canopy. So now Canopy will also be creating a ton of content, but it won't just be me. I'm recruiting other thought leaders that exist under the same Canopy, as it were. And uh, we are collectively going to put out a lot more information, teaching people how to you know, better run their ads, better uh, optimize their listings, better um, do their marketing in general, help with people both on and off Amazon um, in, you know, in a free education capacity, because that's my favorite thing. Like I just, I want to put it out there. I want to encourage others to put it out there. So 
I'm really excited about that specifically. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're constantly what on TikTok. How, how's TikTok, by the way? I'm curious. I, I'm just asking you this earlier. How's TikTok uh, driving content for you? I, I still love the platform probably more than others. They're, you know, just like every platform, I get aggravated with the way they make changes to the algorithm and things happen that don't seem fair or as effective as they used to be. But it's still probably the most effective place for the reason why I love it so much is because unlike other platforms, um, total strangers will see you. And so if you have a message, it's it's easier than like having to go out there and win the follower, which is what you mm -hmm. got to do on platforms like, you know, Instagram and Snapchat, win the follower first, and then they'll hear you. But on TikTok, it's like I could I could shout through the bullhorn and then anybody that happens to be standing around will hear it. And that's awesome. So uh, it's been great. I'm this close to 100,000 followers on my uh, on my profile. Oh, Dang, man, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, that and yeah, I've been trying to figure out the whole the the reels because YouTube a short short bite size content. YouTube just came out with um, shorts, Instagram yeah. reels. Everyone's coming out with bite size content, thirty seconds or less. So it's interesting to think how people in this space can point that and make it actionable, but also insightful information and point it to, you know, a, a destination because I think it's cool for sellers to utilize these oh, yeah. about TikTok ads. Super oh. cool. Um, influencers in general is my jam. Yeah. And organic. Think about the products on Amazon alone that have gone viral on TikTok, like legitimately sold out all of their inventory because somebody shared their product and then, the whole community was just like, wow, that's cool. I love yeah. that. Um, the mood octopus is my favorite example of this. I remember seeing that. I think I saw that from you. I remember Scott Needham had, if you know him from smart scout, he mm -hmm. also posted a product an influencer yeah, you wiped it out, wiped out their inventory right before yeah. prime day too. Just yeah. nuts. I, I can't believe it. So that the psychology going, going off of that aspect of having other people influence your decision to purchase something, even though they may not say buy this, it's just a 30 second little blip of I need to find it. And that's why, or this organic traffic is not becoming brand in terms of TikTok leggings or TikTok this or Instagram this. It's so fascinating to me to see how social media is now integrated into keyword searching now. So that, that in and of itself is a, so that's a phenomenon. So the reason why that's happening is psychological because it, it, it releases cognitive uh, uh, load because if I see somebody that I respect endorsing a product, I don't have to think about whether or not it's good. However, the identification, the like filing it away under the branded social media platform term, that's a phenomenon. And I haven't dug into why that might be happening, but it, but it is I'm very- starting to do it. I'm starting to do a little research on that too. So we'll have to collaborate on that in, in the future. But for more information, uh, if they have questions about you, where can they find you? I know we had your Instagram handle, handle up the whole time, but can they reach out to you directly or where should they follow you as well? Sure. Uh, uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram, it's all at Anthony Lee 991. But you can reach out directly to at Anthony Lee at canopymanagement.com. That's my Excellent. personal email. Feel free. Use it wisely. Yeah. And also we put Canopy's website down here. Obviously we've had them on before, but love to promote and love to see what you guys are doing. So great stuff as always. Thanks for hopping on today. It was uh, 
it was fun as always. Uh, I say as always, we got to talk before this. It feels like we've been talking for a long time now, but our stories are so similar. Yeah. Yeah, Clubhouse will be, are you hopping on that here in five minutes? I might. I might. I don't know. Five time. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I I I can't have promises on Friday, uh, but it seems like there's so much going on now with so much traveling. People are going to conferences again. Um, Are you going in? You're going prosper. Okay. Gotcha. It seems like everyone is. That's that's the that's the hot Oscar of uh, Amazon e-commerce. So we'll have to see. We're gonna have a booth there. I know you guys are speaking or have a booth there. We have a booth. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Good stuff as always. Make sure you follow Anthony as uh, Anthony Lee on Canopy Management. Either way, uh, it's nice talking, man. Friend of the show now. Man, thank you very much for having me. It was fun. Yeah. No problem, man. All right. Thanks, everyone, for hopping on. Again, on Friday, we keep things nice and loose. We like to learn things uh, outside the realm of just, like, keyword research, uh, saving money, as always, with, like, things with Ping Pong or other partners that we have on the space, just kind of getting to the nuts and bolts of maybe elevating your business to the next level, too. So that's what the show is all about. Uh, As always, make sure you follow us on social media, any of these areas. If you have questions, go ahead and put those in, and we'll see those through YouTube. Uh, Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Just tag Anthony or myself and we'll make sure that we get those questions answered. Rewatch this later on YouTube. Just subscribe to Ping Pong Payments on YouTube as well. Give uh, the bell uh, a nice little click there because you want to be notified when we go live. Next week, I actually have a quick little lineup going through uh, episode 109 through 111. Exciting group of people going on. We have a Vitaly from Profit Wills. We're going to talk about how to prepare your PPC for Amazon Prime Day. We're going to talk with uh, Keith O'Brien from page one inside the mind of a full service agency. And then of course, uh, rounding out the week, we're going to talk to Joshua Porter from elite seller, making the most efficient product launch possible as well. Those guys have lots of different experience in different ways. I love kind of sharing their insights. Keith will be back for the second time he's been on the show before. Um, but excited to talk with both Josh and Vitaly for the first time on the show. Just go ahead and subscribe on social media to be notified when those go live. And as always, this is Crossover Commerce. I'm Ryan Kramer with Ping Pong Payments. Go ahead and subscribe to Ping Pong Payments for free. Or uh, if you have questions, go ahead and reach out too. But we'll catch you guys next week on Crossover Commerce. Thanks for joining in and take care.